Good evening, everyone. I hope they're all well. And we all continue to be well. Shul is opening up. Uh, we have permission now to have 100 people in Shul. And uh, I hope that we'll have 100 people for Shabbos. And uh, the Shabbos Agadol Drosha will be a week from this Shabbos. Parsons Vayikra in the afternoon. And again, uh, we're allowed 100 people. Maybe by then we'll be allowed more, but if we're allowed 100, so the first 100 that register uh, will be able to hear the Drosha live, God willing. This week's Parsha Vayakal Kude marks the conclusion of Sefer Shmot and the conclusion of the description of the building of the Mishkan in the desert. And the Torah recounts for us uh, in minute detail once again Everything that was donated, where it went, into what uh, artifacts and vessels it was uh, pounded into, what the Mishkan looked like. And the Parish of Kude ends that the uh, cloud of glory that represented the holy Shina came down and dwelt in the building and dwelt amongst the Jewish people. The Ramban points out that at the end of Chumishmot, we are now back to the end of Chumish Breshis because the Holy Spirit, so to speak, uh, existed in the homes of our forefathers and our mothers, the house of Avram and Sorah, the house of Yitzchak and Rivka, and Yaakov and Rachel Leah, Bila and Zilpa. So that now, even though the Jewish people numbered in the millions, the Shechina came to rest amongst them, just as it found a place to rest in the house of the patriarchs and matriarchs of Israel. <clears throat> So the Mishkan had this special quality, means really uh, an indefinable quality, that it was a receptacle for God's spirit. Now, the Mishkan represents all sorts of mysterious things. So even though it was built from metals such as silver and gold and bronze and from cloth tapestries and from lumber enormous beams of wood that alone cannot make a mishka what makes a mishka are indefinable qualities 
which the Torah presents to us and which we can carry with our entire lives into our own homes and certainly into our synagogue, which is called by Chazal a Mishkon Ma'at, a miniature sanctuary, a miniature Mishkon. So again, you need the building, you need the four walls, you need the, the roof over your head, but that's not it. And there are uh, many glorious buildings in Jewish society uh, that uh, unfortunately are devoid of any true Torah spirit or uh, traditional godliness. So in the uh, this parsha it says, Vayas Betzalel Es Oro. Betzalel manufactured, created, built the Ark of the Covenant that held the tablets of stone that Moshe brought down from Sinai. In all, regarding all other artifacts in the Mishkan, it says Vayas. He made, but it doesn't identify who the person or artisan was that made it. The only time that a person is identified as being the creator, the artisan that created this particular artifact for the Mishkan is here with the Oron, the Ark. <clears throat> here it says, Vayas Betzaleles Oron. The great uh, builder Betzalel ben Uri ben Chur. The Lord said, and I filled him with talent, with Holy Spirit, with intuition. So he uh, would design, he built the Mishkan. And he built all of the Kalim, he and all the old. But only with the Ark, only with the Oran Kodesh, does it say, by It doesn't say it by any of the other vessels that were created, even though he made it. So Rashi comments, based on the Medrash, Levisha Musar Nafsho Aleho since he was Moser Nefesh for it, meaning he sacrificed himself to build the ark. So it was called on his name. What does it mean he sacrificed? He didn't sacrifice himself on the other Cayman? Yeah, I'm sure that he put in the same amount of time, if not more, in the other artifacts and vessels that he had to create. So Rashi is teaching us a lesson here. That the ark, which represents Torah, 
represents observance of Torah, study of Torah, respect for Torah, Torah in its essence. In order to be preserved amongst the Jewish people, it requires an extra measure of devotion. It's not sufficient to teach it as an ordinary subject. It's not merely a narrative or a matter of knowledge. It requires mysterious nefesh. It requires heart and soul. That's indefinable. I think all had the experience that sometimes you have a teacher who you realize that his or her soul is in it. And therefore the student responds. And sometimes you have teachers, even if they be great scholars. But it's perfunctory. He's reading his notes. That's not going to be sufficient. Not for the transmission of Torah. Torah requires passion, heart. And therefore, the Torah says, Vayas Betzalo, that's Oron. Betzalo made the Oron. Betzalo made the receptacle for the Torah. You have to do it with mysterious nefesh, not just fashioning gold. The urn is not made out of gold and out of wooded alone. It's made out of heart and blood and tears. I know that... Uh, So when I was in yeshiva in Chicago, one of the Gabayim uh, had Megillah uh, Seicha. And you could see that it was tear-stained. That made a greater impression upon me. Any lecture about the U.S. could never do. Because it showed that someone put their heart into the Megillah. Their emotions, their feelings. And that's Shepfish and Mosar since Oleva, since he are uh, uh was willing to be Mosar Nefesh for the Oran. So the Ramona Shalom allowed that it should say by Aspet Salavas or Salavilbit. Because he had the correct measure, the correct uh, feeling of devotion towards it, passion to create it and spread it. That has remained throughout the uh, Jewish world. 
all ages. Torah is spread through Messiah's Nefesh. Because anyone that comes to teach Torah, my friends, there will always be naysayers. There will always be people that will say, it's a class that we don't need. There's no demand for it. Or it's not an interesting subject. Or it doesn't fit the times. There'll always be naysayers. So therefore, in order for Torah to survive and to overcome the naysayers, it requires the mysterious nefesh, devotion, the complete devotion of those who promote it in order to teach it to the Jewish people. So that's one dimension of the Mishkan. That even though the box that contained the Luchos was built, that's not enough to make it an Oran Kodesh. What makes it an Oran Kodesh is it's a mysterious nefesh of B'tzalah. That's what transforms the box into the Oran Kodesh. The second point that I want to bring to your attention. As I mentioned, the whole Mishkan was miraculous. And I'll tell us that it says, Vayoka Moshe Samishkan. Moshe single handedly erected all the, the boards of the Mishkan. The Gemara says, How could that be? The boards were so heavy. Enormous cedar wood, acacia wood, special wood. But uh, I mean, anyone that ever attempted to put up two boards on opposite sides of a room knows uh, almost the impossibility of doing that single hand. And yet it says, Moshe established it. He put it together. He did it all by himself. So again, how did that happen? So we have to say it happens miraculously. Because uh, again, Rashi points out there, Moshe ben Odom, what a human being cannot do. Moshe did. So here we have uh, a posseg in Shir Ashirim from Shlomo Amelech that I believe casts light on this uh, issue. You read in Shir Ashirim, Apirion Osalo Amelech Shlomo. King Solomon made built for himself a palace. A glorious building. A mood of Kesef, 
silver pillars. All of the decorations were of gold. What a building that must have been. Hazal tell us that this is a reference to the first base of English, the Baisrisha. The building that Shlomo Melech built. He employed tens of thousands of workers in order to construct it. And he spared no expense so that the pillars were made of silver and all of the plating was gold. Yet we are told that when he wanted to enter the Beit HaMikdash at the dedication, the doors would not open for him. The doors were locked. They locked themselves not to allow him or anyone else in. And he called out, Yovo Melech Great king, God, so to speak, wished to stand to. The doors didn't budge. And he had to call in for help. The merits of his father, David. Remember David Avdecha. Your servant David, how he wanted to build the base of Migdish. And then it says that in the schus of David, then Shlomo was able to open the doors. But if we look at the end of the Posik, we see this type of an insight. It says, Amudav Kesef, Rufidoso Zohar. But then it says, Tocho Rotsuf Av. The inner part of the base Amigdash was covered, the flooring, so to speak, was covered with love. Without the love, the building would not work. It couldn't open the doors. A base amigdash that is built without Ahava is not a base amigdash. Just as we saw before, that an Oran Kodesh that is created without Masir Snefesh is not an Oran Kodesh. It's a box. So again, there are buildings all over the world, beautiful buildings. Many of them today are museums, even though that was not the purpose for which they were built originally. But they don't last. Nobody comes. It's not fashionable. The buildings that are built, the Ahavon, Tocha Rotsu, 
Ahabo. It's covered with love that remains forever. That we're living witness to it here in Israel, right? The fact that we're here is only a testament to Ahabo. To the love of the Jewish people for the land of Israel. And Shlomo Melech said, Mayim Rabim lo yuchlu b'chabos All the raging waters can never extinguish the flame of love. And he said, Val kop shoyim and love covers over all sins and failures. If I love a certain person, I may recognize that that person has a weakness or a failing. But I love the person, so uh, the failing doesn't really count. Does not destroy our relationship. Because there are no perfect people. You want to pick someone apart, you can pick everyone apart. But those who you love. So I'll call showing the Love covers all. So love is the ingredient. In the Beit HaMikdash. Silver is nice. Gold is nicer. Beautiful wood. Tapestries. Still only a building. Not a Beit HaMikdash. Not a holy temple. When you plate everything, cover it with love. That really is love is just an extension of devotion. Well, now you have a holy temple. Now you have a Beit Hamikdash. Now you have a Mishkan. So sometimes we have a feeling of nostalgia. Nostalgia alone is insufficient. Love overrides even death, the demise of the person. Even when the person is gone, one still loves that person. That's the power of love. That's the necessary ingredient of building a temple. Building a Mishka. And if you will, uh, you know, it's also true regarding building a synagogue and a community. People don't love the the synagogue, so that it's more than more than a building, it's a convenience. So I'll find something more convenient.
very important lesson from the Mishnah. So Moshe Rabbeinu was able to erect the Mishkan single-handedly, miraculously, because he loved it. The Jewish people have been rebuilt countless times simply because of the fact that there were great people who loved the Jewish people. And we're willing to put up with a lot, so to speak, so that the Jewish people would survive and continue and grow and expand. And the same thing is true regarding the land of Israel. We love this place. Doesn't mean I like the government, doesn't mean I like the traffic, doesn't mean. Uh, yeah, I can tell you a hundred things wrong. That's got nothing to do with it. I'm living in Eretz Israel. I love it. What could be better? So this becomes really a sort of witness test of a person. What is the person devoted to? Yes, does he have, or she, did they have Messiris Nefesh for Torah? For the Jewish people? Did they have love? So, so, you have to love the Ramona Shalom. So many times, heaven, the deals with us in a way that we think is unfair. Why, we ask. But because of our love, so the relationship is not ruptured. It is not ended. They're still willing to go on. That's the Mishkan. That's the Beit HaMikdash. Those are the very important lessons for the parsha of this week. That it takes some serious nefesh. It takes Ahava. To make a mishkan. We're not talking here only about a building. Buildings abound. But what happens with the building? What does the building symbolize? What does it do to carry us? That is the measure that the Torah wants us to measure with that. So there are Jewish buildings all over the world that are desolate, that are museums or warehouses 
or churches. That's what happens with buildings. The Torah and the holiness of the people and the longing for spirituality and for godliness has never abated. And therefore, we are able not only to continue, but God willing to prosper and grow and be the light unto the nations that the Lord has promised us that we will be. So I want to thank you all for listening. Have a Shabbat Shalom. Again, anyone that's not vaccinated, please vaccinate. And we'll hear good news one from the other. Cold to Sela. Good night, Shabbat Shalom.